0: This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left
1: off last week.
0: Oh, Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha in caverns deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you specifically, to episode 716 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. I am your head number one, and my name is Matt Bomb.
1: And I am the Internet's Joe Patrick, your head number two. In this episode, we're reviewing new comics from the last two New Comic Book Wednesdays. After that, we'll set you up with our must-read new comic picks for next week. And finally, you're going to get a sampling of our Patreon
0: Extra for this week when you support THN for as little as one dollar a month, you get access to segments like this week's TLDR where we break down DC's latest Night Terrors event so you don't have to read it. So, whatever you do, don't fall asleep! Because it all starts now! With review time! In the Ziggurat! New comic book Wednesday, September 6th.
1: We begin by discussing six comics from last week, and then we jump to six from this week. Each comic we discuss will be branded like a defenseless calf, with a buy it, skim it, or a leave it rating, whether they like it or not. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah. This time, our new comics pile features the hairdressing heroines of Smallville, kids killing kids, darlings getting killed, and then a comic that kills more. But it all starts with a skinny walker. On a haunted ranch. You know what? This is, like, our second episode in recent memory where the theme is basically murder. We trade in violence. It's what we do. I
0: wonder if we should be worried. Nah, such is the way of the comics world, Joe. We begin with Hunt for the Skinwalker, number one. It's from Boom Studios. It's 28 pages for 4 dollars This is written by Zach Thompson, cover by Martin Simmons, art by Valeria Berzo, colors by Jason Wordy, and letters by... Just plain old Joe Sabino. He's not VCs when he's over a boom, apparently. I don't know. Here's your solicit. Unidentified flying objects. Animal mutilation. Terrifying otherworldly cryptids. Sort of. Countless strange phenomena. For more than 50 years, a remote ranch in the UINTA basin has been the most significant nexus for the paranormal. United. That would be UNI. This is UIN. UINTA. YINTA. I don't know. Winter. I don't know. This is inspired by one's family confrontation with the unexplainable and terrifying. And what happened when they invited the largest scientific investigation of the paranormal to their ranch. Based on the 2005 groundbreaking, electrifying nonfiction book by Dr. Colm Keller and veteran investigative journalist George Knapp of Coast to Coast fame, by the way. So... Journalist, in quotes, that revealed the captivating true history of the Gorman Ranch for the first time, seizing mainstream imagination and inspiring high-profile investigations, documentaries, and genre-rich fiction in various media. Now working hand-in-hand, hand. we're still doing this, by the way, now working hand-in-hand hand with Keller and Knapp Jesus. and incorporating never-before-seen new revelations, writer Zach Thompson, who worked on X-Men Unlimited and Undone by Blood, with Valeria Berzo, who worked on Castle Full of Blackbirds, adapts the category-defying tale in a series perfect for fans of I Hate This Place and The Low, Low Woods. That's, I, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> we'll get into it, but No car chases, live music, and now I think we can safely add paranormal stories of high strangeness to the list of things hard to adapt to comics. There is a very interesting story behind what's going on in this comic. Because I read the book and I've seen this story in more than one documentary, I knew what the creators were trying to show and tell here. But there's some real issues with the art that didn't do the story any favors. It's not that the art is bad, but it seems to me that mm. Burzo was tasked with a very difficult challenge for her art style. The creatures have size issues, alien crafts look odd, and characters are way too close to them to be confusing a UFO for an RV. Pair the odd art with a lot of narration, and the final product... First of all, it was shaped like a Hershey bar. Second of all, it was flat. There was nothing RV about it, I agree. (laughs) No. The final product just falls flat here. It seems like this creative team bit off more than they can chew, but even very established veterans have a lot of trouble with stories like this. See Tinian and Omings Project Blue Book for another example of a boring, paranormal comic. This just wasn't good and i can't give it anything better than
1: a leave it it was a bad comic book it, this was bad the art is bad it's okay to say it like it's not good it doesn't look good it doesn't yeah. read well the story doesn't make any fucking sense at all this comic book is a mess and i didn't like it it's <laughs> i don't mean to i think that's part I, of the problem it's that, like, was
0: both, that was that was you're trying to illustrate high it, it, strangeness, like something that is nah, odd. Nah, nah man. They're, no, no, no. I'm not making an no apology. Way. What I'm saying is you're trying to illustrate something that is odd and sort of otherworldly in a normal place. And I just don't think this artist has the tools to to do that. Yeah. Like I the mean, dog thing. Sure, when the yes. dogs are so there, like, what is that creature? Like, I don't know. It looks like a dog. It's
1: a nine <laughs> foot tall dog. It's a nine foot tall wolf. They're like, they're cool. They're like, First of all, they're like, oh, it's a wolf. And then they're like, cool with petting it. But then they show the wolf again. And it's literally like three heads taller than the man. Right. And like big enough to hold a calf in its mouth. That's not a wolf, my guy. That is a monster. And the calf
0: that's in its mouth is like, looks like a kitten, you know? Tiny. Yeah, right. (laughs) It it didn't
1: work. It didn't work. No, this is a leave it. And I I felt all that before I even realized that this was a tie into that Terrible reality show about the the truth of the so the secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. It's not and a like, tie I, into I get that. it. It's
0: a book. Blah blah yeah. blah. But no, the book is is excellent, and there is some like really interesting, really interesting stories here. Some of it has been debunked later on, and the you, you know the you science tell. that was done is questionable and whatnot. But it's a great uh-huh. book. Super creepy. This just is not a good adaptation. It's the world's greatest super friends
1: Matt I am long overdue to get my hairs did and so there's only one thing to do good news Joe Patrick. Smallville, Kansas A superhero
0: can do it for you now
1: <laughs> I know I'm excited just like in the dream <laughs> It's it's exactly what I've always wanted. My review, my first review is of fire and ice. Welcome to Smallville number one from DC Comics. It's written by Joanne Starrer, with art by Natasha Bustos, colors by Tamara Bonvillain, letters by Ariana Mar. It's 32 pages for 3.99, and here is your solicit. Things could not possibly be worse for fire and ice in Beatriz DaCosta's professional opinion. Superman sent the former Justice Leaguers packing for Smallville following an extremely public and utterly disastrous mission that was all Guy Gardner's fault. Thank you very much. And in doing so, doomed them to a fate worse than death. Irrelevance. Ice finds herself drawn to the quiet life and dreams of planting roots. But fire, well, fire will do just about anything to get the heck out of Dodge and back on the hero circuit, including challenging the DCU's biggest villains to a knockdown, drag out, live streamed brawl in the streets of Smallville. It's irresponsible. Yeah. A raucous timely, unflinching comedy about a decades-long friendship on the brink of disaster and what it means to be a superhero at a crossroads in your life. Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, reintroduces the iconic duo to the dawn of DC in a series from rising star Joanne Starrer. You know her from The Gimmick and Sirens of the City and Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur co-creator Natasha Bustos. Everyone thinks of Blue Beetle and Booster Gold when it comes to classic DC friendships, but Joanne Starr and Natasha Bustos are here to remind everyone that Fire and Ice are no slouches when it comes to superhero besties. Following the events of the short story in the recent Power Girl special, Bart noise for the Power Girl part, <laughs> Beatrice and Tora have retreated to Smallville to refocus and recenter themselves as heroes. At least, that's what Ice thinks anyway. Fire is looking for a way to put the duo back on top of the hero game and it's kind of been a disaster. Starr obviously knows these characters inside and out and her love of the 80s Justice League International is apparent. Even Elron, the JLI's one-time robot mascot is here. I love him so much. New readers aren't going <clears throat> new readers aren't given a whole lot of context for these classic relationships and references, but it also doesn't really matter if if you know your DC history, great, but the story is breezy, fun, and hilarious without requiring that past knowledge to enjoy it. The art by Bustos and Tamra Bonvillain is a perfect match for the tone of the story, and they deliver some solid visual humor and great storytelling. Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville number 1 is a love letter to the Justice League of the late 80s and early 90s with a modern sensibility that gives a fun new purpose. To one of DC's most enduring friendships. I'm giving this a buy-it. I thought it was great. Yeah, like this is gonna sound like I'm
0: picking on the book. I'm not picking on the book. It's a good book. Everything you just said, I absolutely agree with. I love the art. It, it Bustos almost has this like 90 80s, 90s Barbie comic, but like updated. It's slick and everybody's kind of pretty and really colorful. <laughs> you know, it's really good. I just I don't know if I care enough. About these characters, to be as invested in it as you were. It's well written. It's perfectly drawn. I don't really need to read a lot more. It's cute. It's cute. Kind of funny, you know. I'm I'm, I'm going to give
1: but it a, a but, low buy it. I'm not going to give it
0: a skim it. But it's,
1: sometimes a good comic is all you need. Like, I mean, I agree. I'm not, I'm not looking to this comic for any sort of like. I don't disagree, but I think your mileage DC will, universe
0: will never be the same. I think your you vi- your mileage will vary if you don't care about these com- these characters very much.
1: If there was something well, yes, Matt, bigger, that's true about literally every single character. No, we talk
0: about I 100% disagree because there's plenty of other characters where they've been put in a position so interesting that I didn't necessarily care about them before and now I've got to see what happens to them next. Like I found Ice's story in Tom King's Human Target really captivating and I wanted to see what was going to happen to her. Here. She's cute. She's funny. Within a bleak and dismal swamp, hidden beneath its murky waters, lies the headquarters of the most sinister villains of all time. Moving on to our next feel-good comic of the week, it's Tear Us Apart from Dark Horse, 32 pages for 3 dollars This is written by Van Jensen and Jay Baruchel. Cover art by Alessandro Miscelli and letters by Taylor Esposito. Here is your solicit. Deep in the Canadian wilderness, a vicious cult dedicated to an ideology of pain trains children to become deadly assassins. In the midst of this world of cruelty, two teenagers break the cardinal rule by falling in love. The only thing standing between them and happily ever after is an army of murderers with a taste for blood. This is exactly how my wife and I met each other. Tears Apart starts with brainwashed kids being raised in a violent cult and ends with kids literally cut to pieces. <laughs> Jensen and Baruchel's story is just a brutal survival tale that dares the reader to turn the page. There's almost aspects of manga like Battle Royale meets a Ra's al Ghul story of what if he raised kids to be his League of Assassins here. <laughs> the art by Michelli is Beautiful. It's a mixture of thin inks and washed blue watercolors with really bright splashes of red when I'm sure you can guess things start happening. (laughs) This comic looks incredible, and it's not just the extremely violent action scenes either. Even the quiet moments where one character secretly touches another's hand are just beautifully executed. Do not expect a happy ending for Terrace Apart. But if you're looking for excellent feel-bad comic storytelling with an unlikely love story, go pick this up. I'm giving it a buy-it. This was a surprise.
1: Props to Dark Horse for not once mentioning who Jay Baruchel is. Uh, If you don't recognize the name, Jay Baruchel is one of the stars of Undeclared, not Freaks and Geeks. I, I get them confused. He was the star of Undeclared, the Judd Apatow Paul Figg show that was beloved but canceled after one season. It was. So um, you've good. seen him in a ton of so comedies. Good. He's so funny. He was in *Tropic Thunder*. He was in *Knocked Up*. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's co-writing this with Van Jensen, who is a known co- quantity in comics. And this comic rules, man! This comic is great. Uh, the art is gorgeous. I love the color palette. It's. This is very good. I didn't go into detail in TLDR. Because we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the tie-ins, but this comic book features a school for prospective assassins or whatever they are, right? Cultists that are being raised to be killers. Yeah, I wouldn't call a school. (laughs) Sure, but you know what I mean. It's like they're training them. That's a cult. Yeah. The Angel Breaker tie-in miniseries for Night Terrors had the same thing for Cobra, you know, Cobra with a K. Sure. And for some reason, I hated it there and loved it here, and I think I figured out why. And it's because in the Angel Breaker tie-in, the kids that were in the cult of Cobra dressed like they were in Gotham Academy. They dressed in school girl in school outfits, Harry Potter assassins basically. They dressed in school uniforms, and it's like that's bullshit. No, well, I mean, if it's Cobra school, I don't know, you know. Yeah, but it's just like time for Cobra math.
0: Cobra 2 plus for Cobra reason- 2 equals Cobra 4, you know? Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> uh, for some reason, it was it was dumb to me there, but this was great. This is a huge buy, and I loved it. Jay Baruchel, write more comics. Yeah, no doubt. Talented guy. My next comic also features a lot of assassins, but these are, you know, assassins on the side of good. <laughs> It's Birds of Prey number one from DC Comics. It's written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero, not Leandro Romero. I, I've been saying his name wrong probably for years. Colors are by Jordy Belair. Letters by Clayton Cowles. See what's missing there? No VC. Yeah, I think it's Marvel on only. boy Clayton's name. Yeah. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Breaking hearts and faces, the Birds of Prey are back. Every mission matters. Every life saved is a miracle, but this time it's personal. Dinah Lance is one of the DCU's most elite fighters, and combined with her sonic scream, she's a fearsome foe in any scenario, but sometimes even the Black Canary needs help. Faced with a personal mission brought to her by a mysterious new ally, and up against near-impossible odds, she reforms the Birds of Prey with an unrivaled group of badasses Cassandra Cain, Big Barda, Zealot, and Harley Quinn, and only one goal, extraction without bloodshed. What could possibly go wrong? Kelly Thompson, you know her from Captain Marvel, Black Widow, and many other things, makes her long-awaited DC Universe writing debut and is joined by her Hawkeye partners in crime, Leonardo Romero, who has also worked on Batman, and Jordi Belair, who has colored literally every comic book to debut an all-new All-Deadly Birds of Prey series still breaking hearts and faces after all these years. I am a huge fan of the original Birds of Prey, where Black Canary and Oracle worked with a rotating cast of mostly female heroes to tackle a variety of threats. Unfortunately, though they have tried time and time again, I don't think DC has been able to recapture the feel of that classic series. I mean, I'm sure the other volumes have their fans, but... I just haven't been able to get into them until now. Writer Kelly Thompson spends the issue building her team while simultaneously establishing the book's premise. Her takes on each of the birds are pitch perfect, meeting the characters where they are now without ignoring the years of character development that came before. But you also don't really need to know all of the minute details. Kelly alludes to everything you do need to know is right there on the page. Leonardo Romero and Jordi Belair have combined into some kind of artistic Voltron here. This book is absolutely gorgeous, displaying brilliant action sequences with this kind of slightly off-center or out-of-focus color palette. It's slick and it's modern, while also feeling timeless, at times reminding me of classic action comics of the 70s. Birds of Prey number one is as close to a perfect comic as I've seen in a really, really long time, and I absolutely cannot wait to read more. I'm giving this a huge buy-it. I didn't even mention a couple of things. Uh, the, The reason why Barbara's not here has not been revealed, but it is touched on, so all the things we were worried about are addressed. And then the ending is so absurd, and they know it, and so the characters react in the only way they can, because it's so stupid. It's like, what? <laughs> that's, that's what's going on? And I, I loved both of those, uh, that moment for sure, and the fact that there's a reason why Babs isn't there.
0: Loved it. I think this works because they're not trying to capture that lightning in the bottle again of what Chuck Dixon— and Gail Simone did with it that we loved so much. It's great, don't get me wrong, but you can't just keep doing it over and over and over again. It's diminishing returns, right? This is Kelly Thompson just doing it, Group of badass girls, totally a kill squad. They admit it. They're on a ridiculous mission.
1: Good luck. Well, they're not <laughs> a, They're not a kill squad. That's the deal. Well, they keep saying ex- they ex- are. That's extraction the joke. Without, Extraction without bloodshed is right. their mission. The joke is they keep saying it, though. Uh, they are a, a, a assassins. The art assassin's.
0: is excellent. I think Kelly Thompson is a huge get for DC. This is great. I'm giving it a buy it.
1: Oh, I'll say one thing. Uh, I... Leonardo, I don't love Cassandra Kane with her bat ears going like this. That and why are they doing? And just draw them straight up and down. The stitched
0: mouth in a perfect circle doesn't work. Make it look a little messy. The perfect circle in it just like I mean,
1: like it's like ah, (laughs)
0: like almost.
1: I'd be (laughs) be fine if it was a perfect circle if the stitches weren't bright yellow. Yeah, yeah, tone it down. Uh, But I mean, otherwise though, wow.
0: Moving back over to Marvel Comics, where Joe Sabino can put his VC denim jacket back on. We're going to talk about Silver Surfer, Rebirth, colon, Legacy, number one of four. It's from Marvel Comics. It's 28 pages, 3 It's written by Ron Mars, with cover and art by Ron Lim. This also had a very cool Frank Miller cover. <laughs> Silver <laughs> Surfer. It was in, like, Glax's hand. Pretty rad colors by Romulo Fiardo Jr., and letters by V.C.'s Joe Sabino. Here is your oh, Wait, wait, solicit. wait.
1: Uh, who did the inks?
0: Don, oh, pardon me. Don Ho.
1: Famous Hawaiian, Hawaiian singer. Hawaiian crooner, Don, Don Ho. Don Ho
0: on inks. <laughs> okay, great. Just check it. Here's your solicit. The Sentinel of the Spaceways has taken the son of Captain Marvel, Genus, under his wing but even the power cosmic can't replace the love of a father. Ain't that the truth? The surfer knows something that might just be able to soothe a broken heart. But is it worth a clash with the Infinity Watch? Beloved creators Ron Mars and Ron Lim return to a story from their celebrated run on Silver Surfer, and they're not the only time travelers. Ron's Mars and Lim is Yes, how we should refer to them. Mars and Lim continue their revisit romp that started in the pages of last year's Rebirth and if you had a good time there you're going to be happy with the second helping. Captain Marvel's son, Genus, is here in his members-only jacket and parachute pants, late 90s look, but Ron Lim makes it look pretty good. It did seem like the colors were a little washed out to me, though. The, the twist here
1: is really- I think that might be uh, intentional because of it being sort of, like, old-fashioned. supposed to be kind of old-fashioned.
0: All right, that's fair. I didn't think of it like that. Maybe. It didn't really come off... I guess I didn't get the style aspect.
1: If that's what they were doing, it didn't. I mean, be. I understand, but, but you could be right. Like, I felt like it was an intentional. Okay, choice.
0: that could be right. The twist here is really just for the plot, and you would think characters with aspects of the power cosmic would know when they're being tricked. But hey, it's a pretty big bad pulling the wool over our hero's eyes, so I'm gonna allow it. If you were a fan of Mars's Surfer Run, like I was, this is more Marvel cosmic fun in the same vein. I cannot call it must read material. I'm gonna give this a skim It It's fun, perfectly good. Oh, but you better be yeah. on board for what it was. Otherwise, yeah, right. you don't need
1: it. It's it, certainly, yeah. No, this is the like the definition of a skim It It's great if you it's great if you are a huge fan and wanted more of that stuff. You know, sure. you just can't, sure. you can't get enough enough of that Ron Mars stuff, you know. But it's just like all the other flashback books where it's just like, well. Yeah. Why read it if you don't care? Here's you know, another story that fan, happened
0: while you blinked.
1: <laughs> okay. Like, wh- like, uh, you know, all the fans out there that weren't born when this era was going on, you know, which is possible now. We're talking 30 years ago, 25, yeah. 30 years ago. This is ago.
0: an attention old nerd comic, definitely.
1: Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, for a specific audience. And while I used to be in that audience, I don't know that I long for those days or if i do i'm just gonna read those old ones sure um i i did love kind of the infinity like the infinity watch uh, uh appearance that was great i agree that it's stupid that if a character has cosmic awareness right. enough to find uh an all-powerful artifact uh but not to know who's standing next to them that's pretty dumb <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. but hey you know to say more would be a spoiler i sure. guess but whatever. Uh, yeah, it's a skim. It's the, the, the guys are doing it and it doesn't feel like they've missed a beat. It's just that the song has moved on, you know? And I don't like how you pronounce genus like penis. I don't think that's how he says
0: it. Genus fell. It's gotta be like genus and species. It's spelled the same way. Genus. Genus fell. When it's genus and species, that's how you say it. No, genus is spelled G-E-N-U-S. No. Genus. Penis is spelled (laughs) P-E-N-U-S.
1: Oh, yes. And now let's return to the murder portion of our program. It's kill your darlings. Number one from image comics written by Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan with art and colors by Robert Quinn. I'm not sure why they call him Robert Quinn here, but Bob Quinn later. want well, you get I to know him, it doesn't matter. want you to know him, he's Bobby, you know, it's all good. Yeah. His friends call him Bob Q letters and design by John J. Hill. It's 32 pages for three 99. Here's your solicit series premiere! Thank Thank you, Image. Image. Eight-year-old Rose loves nothing more than to play, pretend in a magical land of her own creation. To her, that world is as real as our own. From her fluffy friends to the terrible evil that lurks at the center of it all. In one night, the line between fantasy and reality will disappear, An ancient hunger will feed again, and Rose will be pulled into a gruesome saga that began centuries before her birth. A new epic begins from debut writers Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan, and superstar art team Bob Quinn. You know him from his Marvel work, Knights of X, etc., etc. And John J. Hill, who letters vanish the uh, Kids Love Chains book. Yeah. I absolutely loved the, like, spoilers. I loved this issue from Parker, Sheridan, and Quinn. I'm a fan of the child's imagination meets dark reality genre already. Like, you know, things like Stuff of Legend, for example, where it's like toys, but oh, secretly they're alive, but right. also they're embroiled in a civil war and lots of people die. But the creators deliver their story with a sudden and intense horror edge. Bob Quinn was a great choice to bring this story to life. He walks the line between cute and colorful and dark and bloody perfectly perfectly, Kill Your Darlings number one is a fantastic start to this tale of childhood wonder gone horribly, violently wrong. Giving this a buy it, yeah, I, very good, very unexpected.
0: I had all the same uh, Joe the Barbarian stuff of legend like popped into never ending story, yeah, right,
1: like that, that 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 thing's a walking trauma, absolutely. But
0: at the same time. This one takes a turn that's a little different from those of the the, the previous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. I really like that. They were they're not afraid to do it, and I think they've got an interesting story. They're set up here. The art is really strong, very strong. Yeah, I Bob dig Q it. Bob Q is good, and the coloring, man, just switching back and forth from reality to the fantasy world. It, it just Bob Q is the kind of artist where his characters look fine in the real world; they're detailed and whatnot. But the second you change the coloring, you go, "Oh, Bob Q is." an animator.
1: Like this is right. full yeah. on I mean, kind animation. Of... Well, and also it helps that the first half of the book is filled with like talking animals. Right? Yeah. I mean, sure. That doesn't hurt because it's her <laughs> imagination. But it's a buy it. And me so it's too. like, Oh yeah. It's, it's this cute cuddly world in her mind. And then, Oh, oh yeah. It goes, it goes bad. This a oh, buy And it. you know what? Let me finish. This is a buy it for me too. <laughs> Sorry. You said it, but I must have been talking over you. Uh, I also thought it was, there was a very sweet, like, Essay from the writer and the artist in the back matter about yeah. how they're like longtime best friends, and it's like they've been working on this comic. I for love years that shit. And years. I love and that. I was shit. like, God bless you. I hope this comic wins an night. Right? It's adorable. I <laughs> love it.
0: New comic book Wednesday, September thirteenth. Jumping over to West Coast Hipster Paradise. Let's talk about St. John, number one from Dark Horse. It's 32 pages for 3 dollars Written by Brendan Wagner and Dan Shakade. Cover and art by Dan Shakade. Variant cover, which kicks ass, by Matt Wagner. I really like that one. Letters by Frank Savetovic. That's what I'm going with anyway. Here's your solicit. Ch- I like Shakade because he sounds like a hard-hitting cop, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I've had it,
1: Shacade. I'll have your badge and gun. <laughs>
0: Next time on Shacade. Here's your solicit. In a partnership with groundbreaking clothing brand Portland Gear, Dark Horse Comics is proud to present the Rose City's very own superhero, St. John. Cynical Manhattan writer Tori Slate travels to Portland, Oregon, to track down the enigmatic St. John, a masked man who roams the city doing good deeds for strangers, appearing at random and vanishing without a trace. Who is he? Why does he do it? And what is his seemingly supernatural connection the City of Roses. Tori aims to put these questions to the man himself, unaware that the answers will change her life forever. When I read a solicit talking about a groundbreaking clothing brand in hipster Portland, it is hard not to roll my eyes and expect the worst Don't get me wrong. I love Portland. Always had a great time there. The good news is my worries were completely unfounded. And this creative team has a great setup for a series. St. John is a more street level Superman. He can't fly. He doesn't have super strength, but somehow he's exactly where he needs to be in the city that he loves protecting the weirdos and maintaining the fragile system that keeps Portland weird. The intrepid reporter Tori isn't a love interest like Lois Lane, at least not yet, but she serves to help the reader uncover the mystery of St. John from a distance. And sure the reporter investigating mystery cliche is here, but it works really well. The pop art style cartooning also keeps the story moving very fast and feeling very real world with just a hint of comic book magic. Like St. John, he's a hero, but he kind of just looks like a dude in a cape with like a Zoro mask. Just happens to have a mask. Yeah. You know, this isn't like Tobey Maguire made his Spider-Man suit and went out and looks friggin' awesome. You know, no, (laughs) this is the second comic I've read and reviewed from dark horse in two weeks with a very distinct style and great story that I need more of. I'm saying if this is how you guys are reinventing
1: yourself, keep it up. This is great. Huge buy it. Yeah, I totally agree. I saw this on the list, and then I looked at the cover, and the brand logo is on the cover, and I went, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, look. And then it's, you good, picked it's good, it's <laughs> good. It's like, oh, God. But I was wrong, man. It's good. It's a good comic. The writing is really well done. The art is great. Um, St. John reminds me of a kind of low stakes Jack Hawksmore, right? Like he's not sort of, yeah. Like he's connected. He's not like melting buildings together, but but he's he's like like talking to the city, right? Like things are like, yeah, it's, he's got some sort of supernatural connection to Portland. And I, I think that's cool. Uh, this is a buy it. I thought it was really good. And I'm, I am not ashamed to admit that I judged it harshly without reading it. We're old shitheads. This is what we do. I mean, but generally speaking, this kind of thing is almost always a failure. Sure. This was, I mean, this was great.
0: This was no Twinkie the Kid. (laughs) I'll give it
1: that. (laughs) Sure.
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, ha ha. Remember me, old chum? You jolly.
1: There aren't many characters that have daddy issues quite like Damian Wayne has daddy issues, but it looks like his daddy Batman is trying to change that. In the pages of Batman and Robin, number one from DC Comics. It's written by Joshua Williamson with art and colors by Simone de Mayo. Letters by Steve Wands. It's 32 pages for $4.99. Here is your solicit. Father and son. Bruce and Damien. Batman and Robin. From Batman versus Robin to Night Terrors, a lot has happened to the dynamic duo... But now they are back together and ready to fight crime in Gotham, just in time for Batman's most monstrous rogues to team up to turn the city into an urban jungle. A new villain watches from the shadows, intent on revenge, with a plot to turn one of Batman's greatest assets against him. Okay, I'll, I have questions about that. And <laughs> yeah. can, can Damien help his father solve the case before it's too late? A brand-new, fun, and exciting father-and-son adventure begins from DC Comics architect Joshua Williamson and superstar artist Simone
0: DeMeo. All you have to do is write everything for DC and you become an architect, I guess.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. Writer Joshua Williamson takes advantage of current developments in the Gotham War crossover to establish a new status quo for Bruce and Damian Wayne. I love the strong family vibe that Williamson is creating here. It's been way too long since these two acted like family. I'm struggling to remember how and when Bruce Wayne publicly revealed that he has a son. Yeah, but that that might be more of a me problem. Like I'm willing to, I like I'll I'd believe you if you told me that it happened years ago, and I just
0: don't remember. Somebody lay that on us, though.
1: In fact, I'm gonna yeah, post that hey, in
0: our, I'm gonna post that in our Discord right now.
1: Yeah. The art by DeMeo is absolutely fantastic, though there are some moments where the storytelling is less than clear, especially during the um, fast-paced action stuff. Batman and Robin number one doesn't really break a lot of new ground, but it's a very solid superhero story with a father-son dynamic that I really liked. Just don't spend too much time wondering how this can be the same Batman that's acting like a lunatic elsewhere. Uh, I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, this... It's good. It it certainly doesn't read like the same Batman that Chip Zdarsky is. That's my issue here. Like,
0: this is really good. And I like it. The art is excellent. And, and I don't mind the, the family stuff either. It's kind of refreshing, but who the hell is this Batman? (laughs) He's not acting like this in any other book that he's in right now. And he's in, and and while I, seven, 10, maybe ongoing (laughs) monthly books.
1: While I think that that is certainly a fair observation, I don't know that it's something that the book can be blamed for. Well, I don't know that
0: it's. I don't know, dude,
1: because look,
0: Joshua Williamson has to be aware of what is happening with Batman and Damien in every other book that they are in together. They just came off a miniseries called Batman versus Robin, where they literally fought each other. And now, very suddenly, I thought they made up after that, but maybe I'm not. I mean, I'm sure they did, but making up is one thing, you know, like Damien was going to kill him at one point. And now they're like, hey, dad, hey, son, you're going to high school, son. And I'm so proud of you. And let's have breakfast. (laughs) And like, you know, it's good. I I liked it. This is just odd. And I need to know. I I agree. Where it's it's coming from. Yeah. Where is this coming from? Like, is is this something that's going to change very suddenly in some of the other bad books? Because he's. Still coming out of the haze of night terrors or something. I don't know. Because he's acting like a weirdo in Chips book. I
1: mean, too. maybe he's in a good mood because he had such a long,
0: <laughs> a refreshing sleep. Perhaps he just needed to sleep for a week. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving this a eight, buy it, but it's just eight weeks. The, the juxtaposition of this Batman with the others is really weird. That's all I'm saying.
1: No, I'm, I agree. I agree that that's fair, but judged on its own, like I, I liked the dynamic. I
0: prefer my crime fighters without runts around. That's why I read Daredevil, number one, from Marvel. It's 52 pages for $6.99. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, with cover by John Ramita Jr., art by Aaron Cooter, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs, Clayton Cowles. Here's your solicit. Born again! The new era of Daredevil starts here. Industry stars Saladin Ahmed and Aaron Cooter have laced up and entered the ring, ready to take Matt Murdock on a knockout of an adventure. Where does Electra fit into all this? What is the future of Hell's Kitchen? Romance, intrigue, and of course, action! All delivered in the mighty Marvel manner. It has been a long-running joke that the exiting creative team of Daredevil leaves the character in such a batshit crazy place that there's almost no way the new creative team can move forward without first digging Matt Murdock out of said batshit. It seems this creative team got the memo and instead of trying to reinvent Matt, they did the most natural thing you could do to a character that died and went to hell. No spoilers! Aaron Cooter is a brilliant artist, but Joe and I both agreed he seemed like a really strange choice for a street-level character like Daredevil. I'm just used to him drawing alien tech and space gods, but he's able to tone down his style just enough to really breathe life into Hell's Kitchen while also amping it way up for some truly disturbing paranormal panels know we should be laughing about the arms race to make each daredevil relaunch more shocking than the last but this creative team makes this new volume feel fresh without wiping the slate completely clean i was really impressed with how they picked this up to clean up chip sadarsky's mess i'm giving this a buy it
1: yeah this was fantastic and it is it is kind of a a departure or a it's a departure that makes sense, right? If you know anything about Daredevil, it's like, oh, well, this is a different spin, but not entirely unexpected. Yeah. Uh, based on what I know about his character. And I, I like the uh, the way they're approaching it, like why he's in this position. And uh, I- I'm trying not to spoil too much, but yes, this is good. It's it's very well done. The art is great. Uh, I-, I like that Elektra it, as Daredevil is still kicking around that's that's fun because I really like yeah, you can't just make that Zdarsky's go away run. you know that was a yeah, big right. part of
0: that last story so
1: it's a return I like this isn't a spoiler because it's on the cover but it is a return to the uh much more superhero looking version of his costume as opposed to like the way Chichetto drew it where it was like sort of real pants. world
0: tactical like kind of yeah. pants
1: with like cargo boots and or combat boots and that kind of thing Like, this is a superhero costume. And, you know, that's fun for old guys like me. But, yeah, this is a buy it. I liked it quite a bit. I
0: dug the ninja costume. It made sense when he was doing the ninja stuff. He's going back to doing superhero stuff now. So,
1: Well, I definitely, the, the ninja costume was a whole different thing. Well, sure. But the traditional Daredevil costume, Chichetto, still drew it with, like, I suppose that's true. They were clearly, he was wearing pants, not yeah. spandex. It just he got had more like combat and more combat ninja as the story The ninja went out. outfit was yeah. like a whole different, like, King yeah. of the Ninjas kind of thing. Amazing, Daredevil. How did you find your way through that mess? Mm, call it a gift. Came with a red suit. Enough of this feel-good crap. Let's get back to the killing. Kill More, number one from IDW, written by Scott Brian Wilson, with art by Max Allen Fuchs. He takes the time to tell you how to pronounce that name in the back matter because you can imagine. I'm sure he got teased. You can imagine. We had a Mr.
0: Fuchs in high school, and I'll let you know how that went. Uh, Right, yeah.
1: (laughs) Colors and spot illustrations by Valentina Brisky. I'm not sure what the spot illustrations mean, but that's okay. Uh, Letters by CPD Athletic League. (laughs) Okay, yeah. It's 32 pages for 399. Here is your solicit. The city of Colonia is suffering from total economic collapse, but worse than the unemployment and urban decay is the skyrocketing homicide rate. Most of the few cops left on the force think it's just another symptom of the city's decline, but one detective has a darker theory that the most depraved killers in the country have all moved here to take advantage of the chaos. As he and his new partner dig deeper into their rapidly growing list of open cases, they'll find themselves in the crosshairs of a growing group of maniacs who realize that the best way to stay ahead of the cops in a city full of killers is to kill more. That's the title. Get it? I got it. Thank you. Okay. Nothing, can, nothing can prepare you for Lady Face Smasher, the Sufferer, the Obituary Machine, and worse... What? Lock your doors and journey into the mouth of madness. All right. So I want you to just like, think about what I just read about the premise. I just read is a complete, it is a whole idea fully formed. Yeah. Like if somebody put that on paper as an outline and said, this is an idea, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Boy, is there a lot going on in this comic? The solicit gives the broad strokes, but there's also this additional science fiction spin for some reason. The story takes place some years in the future, not so much that the world is unrecognizable, but far enough that humanity has colonized Mars. You see, Colonia is the city where the spaceships were built, but now that it's done its job, the world has no more use for the city that got them to the stars. It's an Interesting idea, but I can't figure out what it has to do with the serial killer angle. So far, it's nothing. Otherwise, the dialogue is smart and the art is great. I just kept waiting for the Mars plot to matter, and it never did. That isn't to say that it's not going to matter to the story eventually. Killmore number 1 sets up an interesting premise with a backstory so complex I found it distracting, to be quite honest. I will check back with future issues just to see what happens. But for now, I'm giving it a strong skim it because I was like literally waiting for that shoe to drop and It just never did. Okay. So I think what they're trying to do
0: here is sort of tell like a RoboCop future Detroit type story. Where I mean, I get that, but. crime, But they're, they're taking a step further and it's like, hey, not only did the auto industry leave d- Detroit, but you did your job. There's a space race and everybody that cared about you left. This is what's now left behind, and it's a nightmare. And the most logical, like g- moving past crime, moving past poverty is haven for serial killers. It's become like a charnel house. You yeah,
1: know? I, I, and, and I, I guess I, my thing I liked
0: it more than you. i I think the art well, no, was it's not that I, fantastic. The art was great. yes. and i I agree little heavy handed in what they're doing. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think that's, what's there. Like the Mars thing, it's a MacGuffin. It, it's, it's just something to reinforce how left behind they really are. They're on a whole like caring societies on a whole nother planet, bro. It's Not like they're in New York, you know, I get it's so sure. Okay. I'm going to give it a buy it. Cause I think the art was really good. And I love the names because these guys, they're crazy people. Of course, they're going to come up with shitty serial killer names.
1: It's great. It's it's not. It's like uh, it's like that. um, It's like when you let the wrestlers choose
0: their their own nicknames and personas. You get the fireman, uh, you know, like he's a
1: fireman, folks. Here he comes. I'm going
0: to put out your fire. All right.
1: It's not that I didn't like it. it. It's good. It's just that I found the space thing it's such a big moment and they make such a big deal out of it that when it didn't ultimately matter for the story, I was like, well, wait a minute. Then what was all that about? Yeah. And I think that like, and I appreciate your ability to like make that leap with them, but I feel like you could have told the story about a city like that's basically been abandoned by, Like, there are cities like that in the United States. Detroit was one of them. Sure,
0: sure. But I I think they're going for that logical progression. The future, this is where we go, and this is where it ends up. And because it's the future, sure, there's space
1: travel, you know? Well, then one of these cops better turn into a robot. That's all I got to (laughs) say. I calculated a 99.7% probability of success. Don't get cute with me, you walking tin can. If you weren't a cop, I'd hate. Simmer down here.
0: I think we're done with killing for the day let's just go back to Mighty Marvel monsters for a change let's talk about werewolf by Night number one this is the Well, 20- there is some killing in this I mean sure this is from 2023 folks so this would technically be like your werewolf by Night volume eight <laughs> so it's a one there have shot been a lot of them. it's a one shot so I don't think it counts from Marvel it's 36 pages for 5.99. this is written by Derek Landy cover by Corin Howell and Rochelle Rosenberg art by Fran Galan. Like, whoa, Black Betty, Fran Galant, letters, yeah. <laughs> letters <laughs> by V.C.'s Joseph Bino. Here's your solicit. An unholy alliance in the shadows of black and white night. Literally, it's the whole book is black and white. Jack Russell races well. to halt the sacrifice of a young girl at the hands of monsters. Elsa Bloodstone, in all her literally colorful monster hunting glory, isn't far behind. But can they put their differences aside long enough to save the day? And what would such a partnership even look like? We've got this one shot here to find out, I guess. Irish author of the Skullduggery Pleasant book series, Derek Landy, understands Gothic horror and why it still works, even with modernized versions of Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone. I cannot say I've read any of his books, but with a name like Skullduggery Pleasant whatever, they gotta be horror related, right? The story gets straight to it here. There's a creepy castle, Beautifully illustrated by Galan, Jack and Elsa are separately on the same mission to save an innocent from a necromancer. It's perfect, classic Marvel monster fodder. And this creative team just lands it. I didn't love the look of Galan's werewolf by night, but after looking at the old issues, he's really just referencing and updating Mike Plug's classic look, and it totally works. His Elsa is outstanding, though. She looks stylish, sexy, completely badass, and Landy writes her like the rich, egotistical monster hunter that I know and love. Having Elsa as the only character in color is a really nice touch. Later on, the book sort of bleeds into color, which is a nice nod to the last MCU Halloween special, too. This is a great-looking book, a pleasant surprise. I didn't even know this was coming. I'm giving this a buy-it. You know,
1: it should get a buy it just on the basis that it's not written by one of the black-eyed geese. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it, taboo. <laughs> uh, so we were, like, if you're eagle-eyed listeners, eagle-eared listeners, uh, I remember. like eagle-eyed eyed remember, listeners, that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, if you saw it online or whatever. We're going to mix our metaphors, um, let's mix them up, come on. <laughs> sure. You may remember that Matt was going to review Batman Gargoyle of, of Gotham, but for a number of reasons, we couldn't. And so this was a replacement. And I was like, oh, great. It's so good. This comic book is so good, yeah, man. It's it, fun. It's so much fun. I love how the narration, like it's, it's dual narration. So Jack's narration is all like, it's dark and I'm a monster and this is the life I lead and blah 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 and Elsa's all like fuck that shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like how the, I love how the two narrations yeah. like, combine like, to form a single <laughs> <You know? laughs> right um, but like Jack starts to say something completely ridiculous then Elsa just says something normal or funny Right, it's, it's so good the art is fantastic I love the coloring this is a buy it man this was what a pleasant surprise yeah land whoa, Black Betty, land <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> My chief complaint, usually with the Avengers, is that all those bums need to get stinking jobs. Yeah, get to work, you lazy bums. Luckily, one person took that to heart. Her name is Janet Van Dyne. The book is Avengers Incorporated. Number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Leonard Kirk. Colors by Alex Sinclair. Letters by VCs, Corey Pettit. You know what? Speaking of VC, the Silver Surfer Rebirth Rebirth book also had letters by Joe Sabino, but he was only credited as VCs, Joe Sabino, in that second one.
0: I think I maybe just forgot to credit him as VCs.
1: Oh, I thought maybe there was like no VC doesn't touch those those lame flashbacks. Nah, no no no
0: no. You if you're in Marvel, you're wearing your co- your gang colors. Your VC. All right, yeah. I got you. I got you.
1: Cover here is by Daniel Acuna. It's 40 pages for 4.99. And here's your solicit. Action mystery adventure. Her name is Janet Van Dyne. She's a hero. She's a celebrity. She's hunting a killer. His name is Victor Shade. He's a villain. He's an enigma. He just got killed. And together, they're out to solve every mystery in the Marvel Universe, starting with their own. Al Ewing and Leonard Kirk bring you a whole new style of avenging from a whole new style of Avengers. Six villains have been murdered in their prison cells, including one of the Wasp's oldest enemies. But things are not what they seem to be, and Janet Van Dyne gets caught in a mystery alongside an unlikely partner, and thrust into an entirely different role in the Marvel universe. The poor Manticore. Now, like, Wasn- weren't hurting nobody. You
0: know? was uh, the Manticore. Not, the doing? Manti-
1: not Manticore, the Griffin. Pardon me, the Griffin. It was the Griffin. <laughs> yeah, right, sorry.
0: Yeah. Poor Griffin weren't hurting nobody. Come I on. <laughs> Where's that guy been?
1: Poor, poor dumb monster. Al Ewing builds on the events of his recent Wasp miniseries for this new title and finds a purpose for Jan in a world where superheroes aren't so welcome anymore. It's a great premise, and Ewing delivers with his usual charm and wit. But, as much as I love him, Leonard Kirk was the wrong artist for this project. The comic looks just fine, don't get me wrong, but go with me here. Really? Kirk does not deliver the slick cool detective noir style promised by that cover. Daniel Acuna's Victor Shade is like this chiseled dude with the slick back hair, you know, and Leonard Kirk's Victor Shade just looks like some schlubby white dude with a mop cut. Like he, they're not as practically a different character. It looks like as much as I love Kirk, I would have liked to see Acuna do the interior art as well as the cover or somebody that can bring that kind of harder, tougher, more cool kind of style. Again, nothing against Kirk. I'm a huge fan. I, I just, love not it. Not every artist works. On, I love. Not it. every artist works
0: on every book. I, my I, okay, I'm looking at it again, and I'm I'm seeing what you're saying now, and because uh, I was going to just like beg to differ,
1: but this is Kirk. Okay, yeah, it, it's not that the art is bad. It's that it just doesn't fit with what the. I think the tone is supposed to be. Maybe the package. Yeah. Maybe not. And and it's,
0: it's almost like Kirk doing like, he's toning down his stuff a little bit. Like it's almost like a David Lapham stray bullets kind of. I mean, it looked like normal ass Leonard Kirk book to me, but I mean, I I mean,
1: I think like he's dull.
0: He's, he's, he's taken it down a bit, but it's still very superhero. There's no question. I mean,
1: right. It, it just, uh, I would have, I was expecting art that was a little bit, More in the style that the solicit was promising, that the cover was promising. But I love it. I love the story. I love the premise. And I love this new status quo for Janet Van Dyne. The art is still good. I'm giving it a bite. Yeah, I'm giving this a bite as well. It, It very easily could have been
0: just another Avengers book they're throwing out there and something for Janet to do. But they set it up real quick with, with this thing that she does, and it's this thing that they do in a lot of, you know, like, cop stories or something like where the cop was going to retire, but there was that one guy that got away, and he was, it was my case, right? So I'm, I'm, I got to do oh, it, you that know? One
1: unsolved
0: yeah, like, by that one unsolved case. This one was mine, and now it's personal, you know? And I like that. That's fun. And there's a bunch of, like, lame characters in here that I truly love. <laughs> it's, it's fun to see him doing something with. Al Ewing's good at this stuff. I like Al Ewing writing Janet Van Dyne. I think he is one of very few writers, in my opinion, that
1: make that character interesting. I'm giving this a bite. Yeah, it's good. It's real good. And I love the explanation for why she's, why this is now her job, right? There's a reason based on current events in the Marvel universe, and it totally makes sense. And I think it's really genius. (laughs) You can find links in our show notes for more details on these comics, but now it's time to pick the one issue that killed enough for us to name it the best, which, again, I don't know if that's how we should be judging the best, but that's, it's just what we love. We can't fight what we uh, love, and true. we love killing. Right. <laughs> when, when you're right, you're right. Which one of these comic books are you putting in the THN Permanent Collection map on?
0: It's Daredevil number one, and it's Daredevil number one, not just because I love Daredevil so much, but because... I just I didn't know what to expect from this creative team. I know they're both good. I didn't know they were going to be this comfortable already in the Daredevil shoes with number 1 with such a fun twist too, you know? Like they pulled off a lot in this issue and I'm in. Nice job guys.
1: And you know what? I, I forgot to mention this during our review, but, like, I really loved how Aaron Cooter drew the villain I, of the issue. Yes. It was so gross. That's, I
0: mentioned that in my review. Like, all of a sudden, he just <laughs> amped his style up to the weirdest place. It's really, know? it's, like, very disturbing. <laughs> yeah. I loved it.
1: Uh, for me, it's Birds of Prey. There was never a doubt in my mind. It was Like, I read that, and I was like, well, shit. It was great. I, I mean, it was great. Birds of Prey is probably one of the best comics I've read all year. That's that's no joke. I all of the fears that I had about the book, like where's Barbara? I don't know about Harley. You know, like all of the things that I was questioning were dispelled within a matter of pages. And it's so gorgeous. It's Birds of Prey. Pick that book up, boy. Wow.
0: Joe, before we head down to the garage to put our final touches on our 60s Batmobile for this weekend's huge Batman Day parade, we need to pop by the Sanctum Sanctorum to unveil our must-read picks for next week's new comic book day, Wednesday,
1: September 20th. What's your pick Uh, for next week, Joey? You and your marching band marching in the Batman Day Parade.
0: No, I'm going to be in the car with you wearing the little boy
1: underwear and the orange tights. Wow. Uh, I can't believe you're missing a gig for that. Wow. My pick for next week... And look, man, we don't always pick things because we're excited. Sometimes it's morbid curiosity. That's we've where talked, was, we've said this many times. I was wondering. <laughs> My pick for next week is Uncanny Spider-Man number one from Marvel. It's written by Cy Spurrier with art by Lee Garbett. It's forty pages for four ninety nine. Okay, this is why? finally the why. Is this your pick? <laughs> It's finally the answers to the burning questions we've had since it was announced. Why is Nightcrawler wearing a mask or his ears are sticking out? And why is he pretending to be Spider-Man? Why does he think he can fool anyone? <laughs> it's my biggest question. Why does question. he think he can fool anyone? <laughs> I, I, like, I just got it. Like, look, sprayer is the Nightcrawler guy. So I'm not worried about right. sprayer writing a Nightcrawler book. No, no, no. I'm not worried about that. But yeah, I have to. I have to know, like, wh- why? Does, why is this happening? Yeah, <laughs> who do you think you're fooling?
0: And like, look, we've talked about it. Wolverine, Cyclops, these are very famous X people in the X universe. Nightcrawler is still pretty damn famous. People know the guy with the
1: tail. People know the blue guy with the weird fingers and stuff. They know him. Like, I, I I've played. I have played Devil's Advocate on that one, but I mean, he certainly doesn't look like Spider Man, no matter what he's doing. No. <laughs> My pick for next week, Wonder Woman, number one
0: from DC, 40 pages, four ninety nine. written by Tom King, with art by Daniel Samper. Look, man, it's Tom King taking on Wonder Woman in the regular DCU, so he cannot freak out and make her a war criminal or make her a murderer or something. You don't know. You can't tell <laughs> Tom King what to do. I, I suppose, you know what? There's something to be said for if they just let him... Tom King Unchained on Wonder Woman. Go nuts. Who cares, man? Let's have fun with it. I'm totally in. And Daniel Samper, his art is intensely amazing. The
1: previews for this book very good. look yeah. awesome. I'm super excited for this. The THN must-read trade for the week of September 20th is Slaughterhouse-Five, the graphic novel from Boom Studios. It's written by Kurt Vonnegut. It's adapted by Ryan North and Albert Montes. It's 192 pages for 19.99. Here's your solicit with Kurt Vonnegut's seminal anti-war story, Slaughterhouse Five. Eisner Award-winning writer Ryan North from Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and Eisner Award-nominated artist Albert Montes from Universal. Pardon me, Universe. Translate a literary classic into comic book form in the tradition of A Wrinkle in Time and Sure Fight Club Two. (laughs) Of course. Why did they put that in there? Because they Billy... published Fight Club 2. <laughs> all right, fair. Yeah, all right. Billy Pilgrim has read Kilgore Trout and opened a successful optometry business. Billy Pilgrim has built a loving family and witnessed the firebombing of Dresden. Billy Pilgrim has traveled to the planet Trell Famador and met Kurt Vonnegut. Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time. Slaughterhouse Five is at once a farcical look at the horror and tragedy of war where children are placed on the front lines and die. so it goes, and a moving examination of what it means to be a fallible human. Now, maybe you're a nerd like Joe
0: and I. you're not so much into them books without pictures. Tell you what this is your chance? Tell everybody
1: you read a Kurt Vonnegut book. <laughs> All <right>? I know. <laughs> I have read this book. Uh, it's an amazing book. Slaughterhouse-Five is a tremendous piece of literary yes. fiction. And uh, they this is actually... They published this in hardcover in 2020. And I missed it. And now it's coming out in softcover. So it's second chance time. If you did not get Slaughterhouse-Five, this creative team can't be beat. No, Ryan North, we all know Ryan North. Albert Montes, that, that book he did for Panel Syndicate Universe... Is legitimately wonderful. Yeah,
0: it was amazing.
1: And, like, I can't wait to read this. Very, very excited. The Trail Famidorians are so weird. So what are you
0: nerds reading next week? And who do you want to see put on the Spider-Man costume next? Let us know over at our Discord and be sure to put these comics on your poll list if you want to read along with us. Something just occurred to me, Joe. Nightcrawler is going to become Spider-Man because Spider-Man is evil now because of this stupid sin spear that he was
1: stabbed with.
0: Well, that's, that's what they're doing. I don't know
1: if I don't know if that's necessary. I think but, that's
0: what they're doing. <laughs>
1: It's almost time to bag and board this episode, but before we go, here's a sneak peek at the amazing content you get access to when you support THN on Patreon for as little as $1 per month. D-L-D-R!
0: D-L-D-R! Welcome to another THN TLDR. We can't get enough of these damn acronyms, so we're going to keep them coming, just like your corporate job. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah! Today, we're talking about the latest major. DC happenings, the big, yeah, the biggest crossover of the summer. We had like 56 issues. If you count them all up, it's night terrors, folks. The good news is it was all a dream. (laughs) But there are some Uh, ramifications. It was all a dream. There are some ramifications. We're going to get into those. If you were following along on Discord, my man Joe Patrick here was actually taking notes and talking about night terrors while everyone else including me, was ignoring it for reasons that will become obvious, but our job here today is to run through the TLDR so you can sound cool in front of the other kids in the comic shop.
1: That's what we're here yeah, to you do. Can be all Yeah, like, you can be all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read Night Terror's. yeah. You remember that thing? Totally. When that thing happened?
0: For those of you that are yeah. really old, you, this is your Night Terror's Cliffs notes. Anyone under the age of Cliff's 35 notes. probably doesn't even know what that means. So.
1: <laughs> Cliff's notes.
0: Joe, where uh, do we yeah, even I- start with this garbage? I know there there was a free comic book day intro. Yeah. But we kind of discussed like that just sort of set up what was going on with Damien.
1: Right. So there was a DC put out a night terror. I don't know if it was called night terrors or if it was part of like a justice league. I don't, whatever DC was offering, like free day. one of their day, big
0: offering, 2023 colon dawn of DC dash of night DC. terrors. Number boy. one. boy, <laughs> <God
1: almighty. laughs> there That's, you go for those keeping track yeah, number one. And then there's a one shot. Oh yeah. Um, so yes, the, uh, the night terrors prelude in that issue is basically just about Damien and, um, how he has a nightmare. And insomnia, like, comes to him in a nightmare, or he has a vision of insomnia, and then he he then devotes, like, all of the time in between then and now, training himself how to stay awake.
0: Okay, for those who don't know, insomnia, new bad guy, correct?
1: New bad guy, yeah, we're going to get into that. Okay, I'll t- okay. We're going to learn more about insomnia than, than we ever cared to. Oh, know. yes. <laughs> so... Night Terrors was a was an event that was a six issues, c- comprised of a four issue miniseries and two bookend issues, plus twenty individual tie-in miniseries that were two issues each. That's- so, in case your in, in case your your brain can't crack the nut of that math, it is. Forty-six chapters, forty-seven if you count the free comic book day, one shot. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And I read all and I read forty I read forty-six out of forty-seven. So Boy, howdy! Uh, the one I missed was the Free Comic Book Day one, and ultimately, it's not that
0: important. So we'll say average price three ninety nine. The bookends are a little more expensive. We'll just call it average. But if you were all in,
1: about hundred eight, about one hundred eighty four dollars, you're in the main series. The main series was uh, was four ninety nine yeah. a piece at, at minimum. Uh, I'm just doing an average here. We'll
0: say three ninety nine for the others. So you're all in, probably about one hundred eighty five bucks, one hundred eighty six bucks,
1: give or take. I Woo! mean. let's... Uh, we- <laughs> I think I think we I think we crunched those numbers when the series was announced and we came in at uh between 180 and 200. I
0: just hope you see would so, yeah. your Night Terrors Ravager number 1 while it was in 9.8 so you can get that money back if you need it. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, let's get into it because it's a long and lonely road that I've walked and Now I'm going to force map bomb to relive it with me. All right. Night Terrors Night Terrors <clears throat> Night Terrors colon, First Blood was the first chapter, the opening salvo, if you will. It's written by Joshua Williamson. The entire event is written by Joshua Williamson, uh, the main series, that is, with art in this issue and in the final issue, the second bookend, by Howard Porter. I'm going to read you the solicit. This is the solicit for the Night Terrors hardcover uh, upcoming, which collects the entire main series. When Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman find the body of one of their earliest enemies inside the Hall of Justice, their investigation takes them past the land of the living, beyond the land of the dead, and directly to a new villain called Insomnia, who uses his powers to engulf every single hero and villain in their own dark and twisted nightmares. What a jerk. I know. The only way to save the world is to call for the help of an unlikely hero, Dead Man! As Batman, Deadman, and Wesley Dodds, the original Sandman, attempt to unravel this mystery, don't give Batman credit for what's about to happen. Yeah. You We're going to get it. We'll yeah. get into we'll it. Talk about that. Batman, don't give Batman that credit. He was there. I'll say that. He, I mean, <laughs> sure, sort
0: technically. Sort of. <laughs> right. That's it for THN 716 next week. Cosmic Longbox returns, forcing us to review eight back-issue comics for our back-issue show. But they're based on a theme. And this time, it's a little miffed that more of you jerks didn't go see Blue Beetle. So, we're going to be reading and discussing both Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes' adventures. If, fuck you, Dan Garrett. (laughs) If you need more (laughs) THN in the meantime, join us for the THN cover-to-cover gang hang. We do it on Saturdays at 11 o'clock Central Time. Check our Discord for more details. Joe Patrick,
1: tell them what else they can do there! You can get in on the action before we even air the show. We've got an episode discussion thread for just that purpose. Or, maybe you want to answer the question of the week. This week's question, in honor of the live-action renaissance of everyone's favorite robot war criminal, Chopper, who are your favorite droid slash
0: robot just so far, these answers the question of the week. This is probably my favorite thread we've done. I love, cause everybody's putting it's, the pictures in. Oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs>
1: it's great. Um, if you have a question of the week suggestion, please post it in that thread or send it to us. However you want to, you know how to reach us. You can sign up for our discord with the link at two headed nerd.com slash discord. You can post about any of our segments on the discord server or you can send an MP3 recording of your comic pushers, Ask a Nerd, etc. Request to 2 at a nerd at gmail.com and we will play it on the show. If you're new to this show and you would rather chop or kill
0: myself, Joe, and our entire Mole Man staff than listen to any more, I assure you, you need to talk to a therapist. That's a little violent. And maybe you just haven't heard enough. The good news is, you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. THN, it is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of donors like our patron and longtime listener, Chris, the British guy, Bell. I love him. <laughs> I cannot understand a word he says. It's my fault. I've been ignoring my... Uh- my Duolingo I mean, British lessons recently, and I apologize. You, you need to re-up on your Rosetta. <laughs> s- get back on subscription. <laughs> If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. Just like jolly old Chris, you can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash 2 headed nerd.
1: Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to another faithful listener and one of the Ziggurat's resident Canadians, Adriano Arrigonello. Adriano, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Let me know. Adriano writes comics and just launched a Kickstarter for his latest project, Stay Cool, which sounds rad. I don't know. I think it just sounds cool. I don't know. (laughs) uh, I mean, you can you can learn more about Stay Cool and all of Adriano's projects at www.pestocomics.com, which is a great name throw some support his way if you can and if that wasn't enough my conversation with adriano the other day inspired the creation of the new hype yourself channel on our discord nice where you can spread the word about your own personal creative endeavors Word to you adriano and and to all of the other creators that have already shared their stuff there is some great looking did you know that our listeners were so talented I thought they were all a bunch of dummies like Keith and Jim. (laughs) I tell
0: you about it, right? Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just smear his pesto-covered fingers all over your stack. This is the (laughs) two-headed nerd getting hungry with all this pesto talk and signing it off.
1: That's a...